0: is from Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 44, and in the Church Bibles, it's on page 980, 980. Matthew 13, verse 44. The parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, He went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Lord, for being with Peter as he prepared this
0: week. I pray that as he speaks, we would hear your words coming through him. Amen.
1: Uh, for the David series, we've gone from uh, readings of about a chapter long to a reading of about two or three verses. So a bit, a bit different. So I'll just, um, I think Aidan's waving at me to turn my microphone on. Which is... So, there we go. I'm on. That's better. You can hear me, I think. So this morning we're starting a new sermon series, and it's a series called Enjoying God. And it's a series that's going to take us uh, right through to the beginning of Advent. And it's based on a book by a man called Tim Chester, and it's this one. Uh, The book is called Enjoying God, and uh, so hence the series is called Enjoying God. Uh, Tim Chester is uh, a well-known Christian author, teacher, thinker, lecturer, academic, and so on. He's uh, written about 40 books, which is a lot of books. And uh, he keeps on, he keeps on writing, and they really good books. Uh, he's a good speaker. If you ever get to a conference that he's speaking at, and I encourage you to go and hear him speak, and uh, and, and hear from him. Uh, but enjoying God is a theme that I think is going to really help us to do just that—to enjoy God. Just think for a moment of the things that you enjoy. Uh, it might be just to sort of. Uh, think of a few examples it might be an ice cream having an ice cream by the seaside with your best friend or your loved one and uh, and just enjoying the view there Uh, it might be enjoying a lovely sunset or if you are an early riser a a, a sunrise a beautiful sunrise Uh, it might be uh, enjoying a beautiful symphony by your favorite composer I'm not going to name one because you'll probably think, oh, I don't like them, I like like somebody else. But, you know, your favorite symphony by your favorite composer. Or it might be listening to a favorite song. Uh, Spotify, if you're into that kind of thing, Uh, you know, or whatever it is, or putting on a CD, or uh, finding your favorite uh, tune to listen to or song. It might be that. Or it might be going for a walk in the countryside. Uh, my family now. I, uh, I love doing that, just going out for a walk in the countryside. It's, it's wonderful, I enjoy that. But let me ask you a question. Do you enjoy God? Do I enjoy God? I'm glad you do, Jenny. How do we enjoy God anyway? God is a person you cannot see. He is God. We cannot see him. Look along the row. You can see your neighbour sitting next to you. Uh, you know, they are there, visible. You can see them. You can talk to them. God is invisible. You can't see him. And so, how can we enjoy him in that way? Well, this is what this series is all about. How do I, how do you, how do we actually enjoy God? And that's a fundamental question that Tim Chester has that underpins his book. How can we enjoy God? How can we experience more of God? in our everyday lives, even if we can't see him. But we can. And my hunch is, as I, as I pray through, uh, what, what Lord, do you want us to think about this? So my hunch is that this is going to open up for us as a church a whole new way of thinking, uh, of relating to God as we explore this theme together over these next few weeks and indeed months. But there are two very important principles that underpin this Uh, This series, this theme, this idea of enjoying God, and we need to try and get our heads around these two principles before we go any further in this uh, series. The first one you'll know, uh, whether you are understanding of it, that's another thing, but you'll know the first one. The second one is a little bit more tricky and takes a little bit more thinking about. So let's have a look at these two principles. Are they on the screen? The first you'll know, God is known through or as three persons. And so we relate to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Of course, that is known, he is known, God is known as the Holy Trinity. That's the first principle. The second one is this. Our unity with God in Christ is the basis of our community with God in experience. Now, we'll unpack that a little bit, so don't worry if you don't get that. That takes more thinking about The first one takes thinking about as well, don't get me wrong, but the first one we'd have heard at least. It's relating to God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The the three-in-one God. And that is key to enjoying God more. The the fact that God is three-in-one. Three persons in one Godhead. So think about it. When you pray, who are you praying to? Well, God is the answer, of course. And yet our minds are limited in understanding we can't our minds cannot get our heads around this idea of god who is god and and, and in a sense who are we praying to and in a sense it becomes sort of like an abstract force and so that's why theology christian theology and, and bible teaching encourages us to pray to the father to the son to the holy spirit to the holy trinity are you with me so far hopefully you are now think about it, when you pray, and obviously this is a personal answer, when you pray, who do you pray more to? Do you pray more to the Father, or more to the Son, or more to the Holy Spirit? Now the Bible, and, and those who teach the Bible, tell us that it doesn't really matter, and that is true, that is exactly right, it doesn't really matter, because if you pray, just say for example, you pray, you tend to pray more to the Father or you tend to pray more more to the Son, or you tend to pray more to the Holy Spirit, it doesn't really matter. And the reason for that is because of that first principle, which is simple and yet profound in its truth. Massively profound. And it's that we believe in the three-in-one God. So when you pray to Jesus, when you pray to the Son, you're also praying to the Father, and the Spirit is helping you pray to the Father or to the Son. Or you might pray, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, encourage me. Holy Spirit, be with me. And as you pray that prayer, the Father hears you, and Jesus, who we know is on the right-hand side of the Father, intercedes for us and helps us to know that the Spirit is with us wherever we are. So the first principle is this. God is known as three persons. He is three persons. And so we relate to the Father, we relate to the Son, we relate to the Holy Spirit We relate to the Trinity. If you don't get what I'm talking about, catch me afterwards, and I'll try and explain. Uh, But theologians have grappled with this for centuries, so I'll I'll do my best. The second one is also key, to enjoying God. Our unity with God in Christ is the basis of our community with God in experience. Pardon? Okay, it sounds a bit complicated, but it it is at the heart of what we're trying to get at here, of enjoying God more. Think about it like this. What can you do, what can I do to be saved? Or think about it like this. If God was to hide himself, if God was to be hidden from you, what could you do to make him show himself? And the answer is is nothing to both questions. You can't, nothing you can do. I cannot, you cannot achieve your own salvation. Now some people try, they will do everything they can to save themselves, they will, they will absolutely you know, do everything to save themselves, but we can't. And equally, you cannot make God reveal himself. And so you see, it's God's doing. And the next slide is going to sort of, there's a diagram that we'll see that, that helps us to, to try and understand this. There's nothing we can do to make God show us himself, or reveal himself, or to save us. you see the first arrow where it says God and then us? The arrow is going from God to us. It's one-way traffic. God chooses to reveal himself to us. God chooses to save us. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to reveal him to us. He chooses that himself. He doesn't have to, but he wants to. And the reason is because he loves us that much. And that union, that fellowship with God and of God leads to our communion with him, our fellowship with him, our community with him. So the second arrow underneath is from us to God. That is us, our response to his union with us is our community, our communion with him, our fellowship with him. Now don't get me wrong, the Christian life is and involves a life of living felt experience of God. There's a real relating, there's a two-way relationship going on of giving and receiving and of being loved and loving. Christianity isn't all about what's going on up here. It's not all about head knowledge. It's not not all about facts. It's not all about knowledge. It's not all about morals. And yet those things are very, very important. It's a two-way living relationship relationship. A relationship we can experience in the here and in the now. And so those two principles, those, the first one of the Trinity, the first of, the, uh, of that relating to God, stand at the heart of how we can know God and enjoy him more uh, and have communion and fellowship with him. Now, some of you might be thinking, hang on, Peter, what about the Bible reading? You haven't talked about the Bible reading yet, so uh, let's let's do that. Let's think it, uh, uh, as to how that relates to these two principles we've been thinking about. So, Matthew chapter 13, if you've got a Bible open, great. Uh, it'll be on the screen behind me. And we're going to look at what Jesus says about the kingdom of heaven. So, Matthew chapter 13 And verses 44 to 46 contain two very short parables of Jesus. And so Jesus says this, and we'll think about what he's saying and in the light of what we just heard about enjoying God. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, says Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So what is Jesus teaching us about? He's teaching about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And Jesus loves using parables to teach about the kingdom of heaven. That's his mode of operating, his way of helping us to understand a little bit about what the kingdom of heaven is like and here he says that the kingdom of god the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that has been hidden in a field or it's like some fine pearls he says the kingdom of god is precious very very precious very special and what happens when in both parables that someone finds this precious stone or this treasure? What, what happens? Well, they do everything they can to gain that treasure. They give up everything. They give away everything they can and have to get that treasure, to gain that treasure, the treasure of the kingdom of God. And you notice what it says in the first parable about what happens when this man finds it? And what he does, it says, in his joy, in his joy, he sells everything he has to go and gain that treasure. You see, there's great rejoicing when someone enters or finds the kingdom of heaven. So let's, let's apply these two principles to these parables, and let's see how it works out. So try and stay with me. Our unity with God in Christ is the basis of our community with God and experience. So how does, the mer- how does this man or the merchant find the kingdom of God? Well, they find a pearl. They find a great treasure. Did they put it there? No. They find it. It's not, they, they didn't put the treasure. They didn't put the gold or the, the pearl there. They find it. They stumble across it. They, they gain it in some way. And what is the result of them finding it? Joy. J-O-Y. They find joy as a result of it. They start enjoying God. They give up everything to enjoy God. One man finds a treasure and even hides it again so that he doesn't lose it. And no one else takes it away. The other one is a merchant. He finds a pearl. Now, you don't just stumble across a pearl. A pearl is found in the deepest part of the sea. You've got to go and find it. And he finds it and he says, this is a value. I'm I'm going to get hold of this. I'm going to buy it. And Jesus is saying it is God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who places that treasure there, who places that treasure there. He does it, we don't, whether it's in the ground or the bottom of the sea or whatever it is. And the finding of that treasure leads that man to a place of joy, fellowship with God, community with God. Our unity with God in Christ is the basis of our community with God and experience. Now, another, another well-known Christian teacher, John Piper, uh, puts it like this. He's, an, an ama- again, an amazing teacher. If you ever hear him, you will, never, uh, you, you will stay with you. John Piper says this uh, in one of his books, and I'll quote, The best news of the Christian gospel is that the supremely glorious creator of the universe has acted in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection to remove every obstacle between us and himself so that we may find everlasting joy in seeing and saving His infinite beauty. I'll read that again. It's worth, it's worth hearing again. The best news of the Christian gospel is that the supremely glorious Creator of the universe has acted in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection to remove every obstacle between us and Himself so that we can find everlasting joy in seeing and saving His infinite beauty. God himself is our treasure. And so the more we come to know God, the more we will be able to give up everything we have in order to know him more and enjoy him more. Now you may say this, and Jenny in effect said this to me at the start, I enjoy God. I do. And I say, wonderful. That's great. I I applaud it. But let's just let's have a think. Let's just sort of dig down a little bit, and I'm going to ask you a few questions as a way of sort of diagnosing if that is true in your experience. And only you can answer these because these are questions that are very personal. So just have a think to yourself as I ask them, and be honest with yourself. So, do you often succumb to temptation? Does suffering and loss fill you with fear does your service for Jesus feel like drudgery does witnessing for Jesus feel like duty do the sacrifices you make for God feel like sacrifices rather than opportunities to express your delight for God and in God now I'm not asking you those to to make you feel discouraged or dispirited or, or inadequate or anything I'm not but I'm wanting to help you discern if that is true, that you do enjoy God and a community with God. Because if you flip those questions around, they become this. And you'll see this. Enjoying God helps us to overcome temptation. Enjoying God helps us to endure suffering. Enjoying God helps to energize our service. Enjoying God helps us to be vibrant witnesses. And enjoy God helps to empower sacrifice. The truth is, is that God wants us to enjoy Him simply for the sake of enjoying Him. Let me try and, and illustrate what I'm saying. Um, now, I probably should have done this, but I, I could have had a plate of chocolates here. You know, you just picture your favorite chocolates, whatever they are, Thorntons, Dairy Milk, I don't know, whatever it is. And, and you've got them on a plate. And you've also got a child of about five or six, and it just so happens to be their favorite chocolates as well. And so you've got uh, your chocolates, the favorite chocolates, and this child's favorite chocolate sitting on a plate in front of them. Do you think you're going to have to command that child to eat a chocolate? Do <laughs> you can think. Whatever their name is, you need to eat a chocolate. You've got got no choice but to eat a chocolate. You don't have to command them because they want to. They want to eat a chocolate. What you've got to do is give them permission. You've got to say, you're allowed to have a chocolate. Have a chocolate. And they eat a chocolate and they go, mmm, that's lovely. And it's not duty. It's not hard work. It's not sacrifice. It's not religion. It's enjoyment. And the same is true and can be true of our relationship with God. He wants us to enjoy Him simply for the sake of enjoying Him, to savour Him, to delight in Him, simply for the sake of enjoying Him. And that's why Tim Jester says in his book, he says this. He said, God didn't create the world because He needed love or cheering up, He is the triune God who lives eternally in a community of love and mutual delight. Father, Son, and Spirit have all the joy they could ever want and in a far richer, purer way than we could ever provide. So why did God create the world when he didn't have to? The answer is grace, uncompelled, unmerited grace. He must have created us not to get joy, but to give it. So this sermon series is all about helping you and helping me to enjoy God more, to take hold of the treasure of the kingdom of God that Jesus is telling us about in those two parables and delight in his love and have communion, community with him. You hem me in, says Psalm 139 verse 5. You hem me in behind and before but I'm going to finish with something practical that you can do this week. And any, anyone can do this this week. Whenever you're on your own this week, I want you to have a conversation with God. And it might mean turning off the radio in the car. It might mean uh, just whatever, uh, turning that off or taking off your headphones. Or if you're on a bus and there's a conversation going, and it might mean putting on your headphones so you're not getting distracted by what they're saying. But have a conversation with God and... We know God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We know that. And it doesn't matter what you talk about. You can talk about anything. You can talk about the shopping. You can talk about the doctor's appointment. You can talk about the work you've got coming up. You can talk about the meeting you've had. You can talk about the meeting you've got coming up. You can talk about your neighbor. You can talk about your friend. Whatever it is, talk to God. Talk to God. Tell Him what's worrying you. Talk to Him about what's filling you with excitement. Tell them about what your hopes are, what your fears are, what your dreams are. And by doing so, it's reinforcing this, this, this truth, this idea that we can have a two-way relationship with God at any time and in any, any place we can relate to God. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the fields. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now we want to offer you prayer ministry. And there may be some amongst us who just need to lay things down or just even just come to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to do it my way. I'm trying to Carry that burden of doing it the way I think it should be done. And it's not, it's, not, it's not a burden. It's not duty. It's not religion. This is delight. And we just feel it's right to, to offer you the opportunity to come and just to receive prayer. If that is right for you, just to come and, and say honestly to God that this is what you feel is going on in your life. And so uh, John is going to uh, play a, a couple of songs. And we uh, are. A pair here and a pair at the front to pray with you and pray, pray for you. And so just come if you want to and, and receive prayer like that. It may not be the right thing. You may just want to be quiet and, and uh, just uh, be with God where you are, but maybe may a few who uh, would like that. But let's pray and uh, let's offer this to God, what we've been thinking about. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that you have done everything for us. That you have revealed yourself. That you have given us the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Lord, that we can find it. That that we can delight in it. That we can savour Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to lay these things down, maybe that are getting in the way. Help us, Lord, to enjoy you. In Jesus' name. Amen.